Welcome everyone, and you're in the core room. Uh, it's David Griffiths here introducing our latest episode that features a virtual Meet the Brewers session. And tonight we're going to be having a long and meaningful yarn with the good people of Bonehead Brewing in Kensington. Before we get underway on that, there's a few bits and pieces of housekeeping that I'll run through for everyone who's either joining us in the Zoom room tonight or who's listening in at a podcast later on, just so that we all start on the same page. Uh, first of all, for those of you that are Zooming with us, if you haven't already muted, if you could do that, that would be fantastic. Uh, the beers you're going to need tonight are the Sweet Pea Melbourne Dark Lager, the Junior Belgian Pale Ale, and the Revered Red. Uh, and so that's both for people who are joining us on Zoom, but also for people who are podcasting Later on, if you can have those three beers in front of you, you're going to have a far more meaningful and enjoyable experience. The uh, expectation is that this will go for about 40, 45 minutes. We don't expect you to knock off all three cans in that time, so feel free to make yourself up a little tasting paddle. Uh, or alternatively, if you're podcasting later on, feel free to press pause and finish off the end of your beer that you're enjoying and then pick us up when we start the next beer. Uh, that way you'll be drinking responsibly and we certainly encourage that. Uh, a big thank you to everyone who's downloaded the podcasts lately. We've obviously been putting a lot of fun podcasts out and we're getting so many more people downloading them uh, from Australia, right around Australia, but particularly from around the rest of the world. I think in the last week or so, 10% of our listeners have come from the US and another four or five percent from England and Germany and places like that. So welcome. We'll do our very best to explain all of our in Australian jokes and odd Australian phrases we go along. We'll probably forget to do that, but at least I'm acknowledging at the start that we're going to have a crack at doing that. Uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast previously, there's been some great episodes in the last week or so. We had the guys from uh, Hopheads on on Tuesday. Lord Andy Coyne, who is uncharacteristically quiet and muted, I think it's the first time I've heard him be that, uh, who is a... It's, amongst... been, it's been a long day. <laughs> I knew it was too good to last for particularly long. Uh, Lord Andy Coyne is a wrestling legend, I've described you at, ring announcer for MCW and other fine things, a home brewer <laughs> and beer aficionado. He's been on, and um, we obviously have the audio from last week's virtual meet the viewers uh, brewers i should say with venom as well so that's all up on our website if you'd like it while i'm talking about virtual meet the brewers if you haven't already liked our facebook page for information about the next couple of weeks there's some real rippers coming up next week may the 14th we have will mcdonald from la serene he's going to guide us through their beers uh, and also in your tasting packs that we can deliver to you, there'll be some DuPont and some Tilquin, so some amazing overseas Belgian beers to compare and contrast with uh, the La Serene. The week after that, on the 21st, uh, we have Brooks from Nomad coming on and talking us through not just some amazing Nomad beers, but some collaborations that they've done with Rogue and with Ale Farm from Denmark, and uh, there will also be some Rogue and Alfarm beers to compare and contrast with that. By way of example, they've done, Nomad's done an Australian version of Rogue's Hazelnut Brown, 
uh, with bottle seed. And so you'll be able to have that beer next to the hazelnut brown and um, hear from the brewer about the process that led to those. Uh, and the week after that, Travis Bristow has been hard at work on setting up a fantastic session with Blackmans. So all of those will have some uh, tasting packs that we can drop you out. Get on the Instagram, get on the Facebook and enjoy all of those uh, along the way. Um, once again, I feel like I'm at the very uh, edge of what my little voice will handle in one straight go. I'm very lucky that I've got two rather than one co-host this week. Travis Bristow, Warren Wu, I'm going to hand over to you to kick things off. Thanks, David. That, uh, yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was a long intro. That was huge. Um, but, yeah, not necessarily unusual for the podcast, so that's good. People, well, yeah, people know what's coming. So for everyone who's playing along at home, um, we're kicking off with, the, um, with Junior. So uh, Belgian Parallel. Um, we got really tasty, interesting selection. I had a good taste last night um, of all the beers we were going through and a couple of the others. And, yeah, what struck me really quickly was kind of the, the classic European styles that you guys tend to, um, tend to, to be all about. Uh, I've, um, and this is probably a good example of that, uh, the Belgian parallel. Would you like to, would you fellas like to quickly run us through um, your thoughts on it? What you, what you want to do? What, what were your ideas when you were, you were putting this product together? Um, yeah, a, a little bit of story and background, I suppose. Yeah, sure. I'll kick it off. Yeah, I'll kick it off. First of all, thank you so much for having us on. It is, um, that's a, like cramming in between some amazing stuff you guys are doing. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that, that rundown of bits and pieces you got coming up is just is, is brilliant. Um, so, Junior, Junior was Junior was Junior has probably been the most evolved beer that we've ever done. Um, it started off as a, a Belgian a Belgian blonde, um, and then progressed to a Belgian pale ale. It it was. Um, it kind of came about as a, you know, taking a yeast from a Belgian strong ale that we were doing um, and then we, and trying to not work the yeast so hard um, and give it a really kind of classic pale ale backbone, I guess. That really didn't work. Um, it was just, a, it was a mismatch of a beer. The yeast didn't get the workout that it needed. It was estuary. Um, it wasn't what we wanted at all. What we were going for was a real, really fruit-driven pale ale without um, having to really work the hops so much. So what we were really trying to do here is get um, the fruit from the yeast to enhance the, I suppose, the, the, the hop experience. Um, and I think that's where it's landed, you know. Um, so we, we kind of look at it and say, well, you know, if you're, if you're, you're European or you're, you know, your English-style kind of pales are quite malt-driven and Americans are quite hop-driven, then... Your Belgians are obviously yeast-driven, and, and that's kind of what we're trying to go for with this one. Yeah, de definitely. I think, as Travis said, this has certainly evolved over the time. I think we've made seven different versions of this beer in the last 18 months. Yeah. So, and, and I think we've finally, finally got it to a stage where we're, finally we can all agree that we're happy with, with where this beer is now. Yeah, but I'll tell you, like, in the last, probably in the last, what, six months, it's yeah. been consistent. Uh, we landed on where we wanted it to be six months ago and it's stuck. Even though it was a beer that we launched with and were 
even brewing prior to opening Bonehead. Um, it was only really in that last six-month period that there is. We, we describe it as, you know, and it's as an XPA. You know, I think XPA drinkers are where they are, are really the ones that gravitate towards you. There's uh, going on with your your discussion about the evolution of beers. Um, is that the case? Is that is that kind of development uh, over stages uh, par for the course for most of your beers? Like, or or is there one or two that you've hit out of the park straight away? Is there is there? A oh, beer beer? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Beers that yeah, yeah. That from from kind of um inception or from you know the from recipe to first taste but like that's exactly what we wanted and it's never changing again um and there's a couple there's one a couple of ones we'll go through later are, are exactly that um we don't we've definitely got a continuous improvement vibe with all of our beers even if they are bang on what we're after um we're always going to try to improve something about it um and some of those aren't massive wholesale changes like Junior is junior has been a definite step change across, as Anthony said, seven different iterations. But there's others that are just okay. Well, we're going to dial this back a fraction, or push this up a little bit, or change this schedule a little bit, or whatever it might be, um, because we just want to get a little bit more out of something. But then there's definitely some that are what they are, and they'll never, never be removed out because it's just what we what we wanted. Yep, that's awesome. Uh, there's a real sessionability about this guy. It's it's really there's a, there's a route like I had it straight after your um, your Czech Pilsner, which it, which is a really solid example of a Czech Pilsner. But straight after that, to just have that little bit of roundness, I think is a real real good quality with this beer. Just that little bit more more fat on the bone. Um, is this is, and and I've kind of noticed with most of your styles, there is a touch of that. Is that where you're looking? Is that your your bread and butter. What's the what's like? I suppose in terms of your range, uh, is that drink? How important is that drinkability for you guys? It's very extremely. Yeah, for us, there's there's kind of <clears throat> there's three things I think that it needs. Well, it's really only two things. I think two of them are, are quite similar, but it's got to be it's got to be approachable, and, and drinkability is a big, big, big factor. Um, so we strive for that. Balance, and I think that I think that's keeping that in mind. And there's kind of like two things that have to happen: the beer's got to be balanced, whatever it is. You've got to try your balancing elements, uh, be it bitterness and fruitiness, be it malt and sweetness, uh, malt and, and, and hot fruit, whatever it might be. You've got to find that balance, mm-hmm. uh, sweetness and acidity, in some of the ones we've done recently. And then drinkability for me is a long finish that just begs to be replaced. Uh, and that's that's kind of what we go for. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really smart, really. I think a little delicious, yeah, delicious little number. Um, in terms of that that idea of balance, there's that lick of acidity too, just to keep it nice and fresh. Um, yeah, really clever beer. Uh, I, but one that I think we'll smash on from, um, were you guys thinking the red hour, the red hour next? Would that work for you guys? Yeah, I think that's the next one to go. And it sounds like you've already opened it anyway. So that's the <laughs> way up. It does sound like the ones who've got their microphones on have opened their beers already. It's exactly. I often turn my microphone on just to open the beer, just to make that little point. And, um, I think that's becoming a common call room 
feature, David, when you have to open a beer, you turn your mic on. I uh, actually picked it up from another podcast that I almost don't want to mention because it might just indicate to the world what I listen to in terms of podcasts. It's a, it's a wrestling podcast. <laughs> uh, wrestling podcast with uh, Bruce Pritchard. Whenever they open their beers, they go to a great effort to hold it up as close to the microphone as possible and have the that noise come through. So, I just opened my can and it is it's quite full. I was going to... Yeah, I've noticed that every, every time I smash a can open... Let's go to Controversy Corner straight away. We're going to hold this back. <laughs> no, I like it. I, 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 I quite enjoy opening a beer and opening it into the beer. He was served. Yeah. We just drank our way through a case of the Cranberry Ghost Boys. I've got to say, ended up with a lot of that on my pants. Yeah, <laughs> just put it in the, in the opening process, not the drinking process, the opening <laughs> process. It's a, it's a fine line, I guess, um, and a decision we've, we've got to make whether or not you're going to be happy to have cranberry gosa on your pants or uh, open the tin and, and glance into it and, and get that feeling you do sometimes when you open a chip packet. Um, so, we, we, you know, we, we, we'd rather them be a little bit fuller uh, than have a lot that are not full at all. Yeah. So. yeah, that's a good call. Yep, I reckon that makes perfect sense. You just, I mean, in terms of behind-the-scenes type stuff, I'm sure there's people who think, you know, well... Coca-Cola, it always looks the same every time I open the can. What's it actually like running a canning line? Why is it that you get that difference in oh, well, well, setting those things? I, I wish we had Coca-Cola's budget and their facility to do the canning line, but unfortunately on the machine we're using, it can be uh, very hands-on at times. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, strap yourself in for the ride sometimes on that machine and <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Hence why, we, as Travis said, we tend to go a little bit on the higher end to make sure we actually get consistency across the across the batch. Like with um, with the whole COVID nineteen lockdown and putting more cans out, we've actually like our our brew staff can't take any more underfill time. We'll put it that way. They're like they're they're their respective others. They're just like no, no more. Um, so yeah. yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing to float on in relation to COVID. Uh, so you guys have obviously seen your your canning process increase during this time. Um, it's, has, that, um, has that been an interesting process in relation to the amount of hours you put into the canning process normally? Yeah, yeah def- definitely. And, and I was just uh, I was talking to the accounts girl at Fizzy yesterday saying they're going to own shares in our business pretty soon by the amount of uh, pallets of cans we're having to buy over the last two months. We're, we're literally, we're, we're doing at least 60% more packaged beer than what we were this time three months ago. Yeah, right. That's a, that's a big increase. That's, yeah. yeah. Did, have, you, have you guys been stuck with the, the you know, question off the floor from Naomi? Have you guys been stuck with many kegs? Have you got any or many kegs floating? We're, we're, pretty, we're pretty lucky. We're pretty lucky that it actually happened to hit when we had a lot of beer in tank. So, so luckily we didn't have beer sitting in kegs. Um, We've got, we had, so most of our, most of our stuff is is stored here. We don't have a very big cool room. We, we're only, we're a 10, we're we're a thousand litre system into either 1,000 litre or 3,000 litre tanks. So the batches are quite small and we kind of try to keep it pretty fresh. Um, So we did have a few beers that were keg only beers. Um, and we you know, you just do a batch of that to supply that market. Well, we were actually able to keg 
because we have our own canning line now, we can push that back into tank and can those beers. So one of the things, let's so answer um, your, your question first, Travis, I guess, around, you know, COVID-19 and canning. I'm, there's elements of this that I'm actually loving because it's forcing us, it's giving us the time and then forcing us to do things. So, okay, your canning procedure's not as smooth as it should be. Well, now you're doing a hell of a lot more of it and you've got a little bit more time up your sleeve. Get the procedure down. Um, we, you didn't have, we didn't have a wholesale, uh, we didn't have a, a website to sell any beer. So in the blink of an eye, now we've got a website to sell beer. Um, so those type of things, it's actually, it's, it's been pretty good, COVID. And for the people listening on the podcast, obviously you can't see this, but we got a, a cheers with a thumbs up then. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that in relation to COVID-19 yet. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a shit situation. Yeah. Obviously it's terrible, but, it, you know, there's, there's some silver line. There's a little bit of silver lining here and there. Which is... Um, it's it's quite amazing how often we've been hearing that aspect that yeah. that there are positive aspects to come out of this and we, you know, which is great to see. There was that I I I gave Joel last week a question about COVID nineteen and brewing and he absolutely says no. Nah, there was nothing good that's coming out of there as a shit. And so uh, as much as I'm 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 I, I think there's good things that are coming out of there. I totally agree with with everyone here. <laughs> there's a couple of things. Yeah. Joel was pretty dark about not not uh, not being able to do his seasonals, not being able to chuck out five seasonals in five days. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to our uh, our uh, loaded excise bill at the end of this because oh. cans are obviously a lot more expensive on the tax side of things. Yep. So that that's one part that's really going to be a nice wake up call when we get out of this. And the tax department says, well, uh, we were being nice for six months, but we're not so nice anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. I'm going to see if I can link up this little segue. Watch this. So, yeah, one of the things that so one of the things that COVID-19's done is it's meant I could I could get out on the bike and only do that type of thing and I was near you guys. I actually rode past and the air's really clear at the moment, which is a great thing with COVID-19. And I was actually visiting one of your neighbors, um Rumbler Coffee who uh, <laughs> is buying a, a stack of. Yeah. Um and it just occurred to me that your your American Red Ale is is so it's got a coffee color about it, like it's transparent and it's dark and there's a brownness to it. But there's also that brilliant red that comes through as well. It's just it's got a cracking color. Like it, it um, yeah. Having a look at it in good light right now, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's a good looking beer. Yeah, it's it's actually it's one of the beers I'm personally proudest of. But it was. Literally, my first homebrew recipe that I did on my own many years back, and obviously it's evolved quite a bit since then. But um, yeah, it's it's exactly where I had it in my head a decade ago when I first first did it as a homebrew. Yeah, yep. And so so in in that, and it sounds like this is this is a story of a love your beers in terms of kind of starting as a homebrew project or starting as a much smaller project and then developing into a, a regular product. Um, for the, and was, yeah. For the core range, Warren, I think you're right. Um, you know, we predominant, primarily when we opened this place up, we were a neighbourhood bar um, and we were a neighbourhood bar with 12 taps and only four fermenters. We'd spent a hell of a long time setting the place up and we just... 
we needed to have some breadth of range that we could um, we could we could attract people in with, I guess. So a lot of our arsenal was stuff that we don't and we just we didn't have the time to start doing weird, wonderful things then and there. We also we always wanted to be a distribution brewery, so we kind of we 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 built our core range around things that we knew that we could already do and upscale, and we initially thought originally we were going to attract the local. Um, I suppose the local residents of Kensington Inn, and we thought, well, what we can do is introduce them to that level of, uh, of, of craft beer and then slowly just maybe step it up as we go. And that's exactly, kind of exactly what we've done. Um, so even though m- most of these are still the same need to be opened with, but they've just kind of gotten a little bit bigger and as palettes have evolved and all that journey. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, can I ask, as a almost Kensington local, um, have the have the locals sort of changed in terms of what the favourite beers are over time? And can you can you sort of pick who's a local by what beers they order, or is it a bit yeah, more yeah. Than that? Definitely, and I think some of our bar staff have uh, got pretty good at uh, as soon as they see a certain customer walking, they'll already start pouring the pint for them and have it ready for them, which is great. But I've seen some some people who are only like, oh no, I only like you know a, a lager or something like that. They'll start with the mum's balls or something like that, and I've seen them evolve all the way up to our New England IPA, which is great. And they'll they'll be like, "Where is this kind of beer being all my life?" Which is which is a really good thing to see. Yeah, the the last beer we'll talk about, Sweet Pea, and we'll get to it then, is one of those beers where it's like, yeah, we want it all to be approachable. We have people coming in at like weddings or um, birthday parties or Christmas parties or whatever it is that's going on in whatever events it might be, and be like, well. What have, what have you got that's kind of just, you know, regular? So, well, beer that tastes like beer. Kind of, yeah, you know, well, you know, there's always a, a, a few of those guys. It might be the, the, the mother of the birthday person or the father of the birthday person. Or so it's like, oh, have you tried Junior? Yeah, it's a bit fruity. Have you tried Mum's? Oh, yeah, it's a, bit, it's, a bit, it's a bit hoppy, it's a bit bitter. Okay, well, you don't like hops, clearly. I've got this and I'll pour a dark lager. And I'll, well, yeah, mate, I don't like... I don't think so. And then they'll sit on it pint after pint for the rest of the night because it's just multi and that's what they're into. Mm. So, yeah, we, we just, yeah, they were, they were um, a lot of them were homebrew beers and they have evolved a little bit and there, was, and there was a reason why we wanted those specific sort of beers. Uh, when we launched, there was, you know, there's a, a lot of lovely, lovely breweries and a lot of lovely, lovely beer, as we're all, you're all aware, in Melbourne. Um, and so we launched without a payload, we launched without an IPA, we launched without a new England IPA. We suggest that everybody should go and drink their favourite. And now we're making up for lost time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can you tell, because I know Warren's got a theory that he doesn't like to speak about all that often. I think if you go back to one of his previous visits to the call room, he mentions that every suburb has a dog and that maybe Flemington Kensington's dog is the rescued greyhound. But, you know, <laughs> when you... When you see people, you know, walk up with the dash hound or the rescued greyhound or the ridiculous oversized English setter, that's me basically, but, you know, anyone else, can you can you pick what, can you bar staff that good that they can pick what beer is going to be ordered on the basis of what dog someone's walking in with? I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I know which greyhound you were talking about in particular. <laughs> A shout out to my mate, Harry, that likes to mark his territory on our on door at the front. <laughs> um, no, but like you know, there's definitely it, it's we've definitely gotten to know the locals. The locals have been a, a great support, and I think that um, 
you know, you, there's even moments where, you, you know, you can tell what beer said local is going to be on at that point of the night, which is, um, which is cool. So. Mm. Um, I've annihilated two beers already, so I might... He might pause before we move on to the next one. And we might, we might divert to, to a little bit about the branding and a little bit about the, the, the business. Uh, first thing to note is the top of the cans are black. And we also had a little chat to Joel about, about uh, Joel from uh, Venom about black cans as well. Um, is that, when did you start? Have you always done that? Is that something that you guys go, yeah, what, what in your head, what do you think? What were you thinking? Well, I'll, I'll leave this one to Travis because when he told me he wanted to do this, I said, that's an absolutely ridiculous idea. It's never going to work. But uh, I'll let him explain the rest of it. Well, we were in, um, we're, we've always been kind of black and white is, is sort of the two colours, only because we were not really, we're not people that can pick a colour palette. So those two colours were. Um, and we didn't have a designer and we, we didn't have any design real skill. I'd spent a bit of time in sales marketing working for big brands and Anthony spent a lot of time being able to put images together. So we just kind of did it like that. We had year 12 graphics class. Yeah. yeah. Um, shout out to whoever that teacher's name is. Um, so we, what happened basically is we, we, we designed everything ourselves um, and it was really, the idea was DIY. We wanted it to look like um, you could you know, the brand looked like it had been cut out of a potato uh, and stamped. That mm. was kind of the idea. We wanted to be able to stencil it on things and, and kind of take a bit of a DIY cheaper approach, to be fair. Um, originally, the treatment that, I, that we wanted on that matte white can was kind of like a, a slight gloss where the black is. Um, that wasn't working with the labeling and machine and a few other bits and pieces. So. We eventually ended up with someone with a member of staff that has had just finished design his design course. Uh, shout out to Alex, you're a legend. Um, and we threw it to Alex. We gave sort of gave Alex the challenge of, of rebranding. So Ant and I have been talking about it for a while. Um, we love the characters. We've got a, a designer over in over in he's in, he's in uh, Canada now. Actually, he's in Canada, but. He does all the character work for us. Um, and we just kind of wanted to make it all pop a little bit more. We're very serious about our beer. We're not very serious about much else. So hence Bonehead. So we needed something that was classic and sort of a little bit slick, but still a bit stupid. Otherwise, if it didn't have that balance again, it was going to be too far too one way or another. Um, we wanted to dial up the black on the cans. And in doing that, we wanted to offset it with something. That's how it came about, basically. Um, so yeah, so, I think it works. I noticed something uh, I think was quite interesting, and that is, you've obviously got your new logo in comparison to what your logo was before. The font you use on your names, and this is going to segue into my question that I've always wondered. You've obviously kept the same font on the cans for the names, which is really cool. I'm really interested to know though, who comes up with the names? Um, predominantly, it's me. Is that? Uh, is it, do, you, do you sit down and do you think about it, or is it just something that just can't, you know? How much effort? Because I reckon the names of your beers are, are absolutely brilliant in relation to breweries in Melbourne. Um, 
do you, how much effort do you put in to come up with these names? Um, you think about a beer and, and then you think about what you want the beer to be and then a name just comes, I guess. Um, naming the brewery was a hell of a lot harder. Um, but well, here's a good question. It, which it shouldn't have been because it was pretty obvious when we figured it out at the end. You've got to start a business partner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, look, the, na- the names have kind of been a little a little easy, easier. Some of them were exactly what the beer was called when it was um, a homebrew beer, uh, and some of, and, but a lot of them were also ones that we'd gone over and, and, and built, built up. Revere. Revere was a hard name. Revere was a yeah. hard And it still is. And it sounds like the adopted greyhound every time. <laughs> I was I was also going to ask that. How many times do you get people coming in and ask for your Reverend Red Ale? Every single 90%. Such that I think we may change the name. Um, I, yeah. When we first opened the bar, I used to do something to annoy Travis. I used to have the, used to. the middle R of Revered was I, I made a red on, on our menu board and it used to annoy the living crap out of it. And it used to make people pronounce it even worse than what because I thought that's what was causing it, and it's not actually. No. It just kept <laughs> Shout out to everyone that it's revered, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I've been there, done that. Yeah, I've, I reckon <laughs> I've said it wrong too. Now, one of our long-time listeners, while we're talking design and naming and things like like that, who's on the uh, on the Zoom hookup at the moment, has been listening into your answers about logo changes and so forth. And I'm just wondering whether Corey's going to give us more. <laughs> Give us a well, wave, he, Corey. Well, has he frozen? Well, maybe he's frozen. <laughs> I think I think Corey, I don't know if he can hear us a little bit. Corey can't indicate to us whether he's happy with your answer or not. So yeah. um, have you had any feedback about the logo change? Have you had any sort of people who, you know, love the previous one and have struggled to go over because they're, you know, well, apart, apart from Corey, you say. Yeah, well, too good. I'm not labelling Corey's a middle-aged man living in the past, but given he's frozen, I can't give any feedback, you know. I think what David's asking is, if you had those people that walk into the brewery and, like, have the old T-shirt on and are, like, clearly pointing to it while they're walking in. <laughs> well, th- thanks to COVID, we haven't been open long enough to <laughs> nah, that for the, mo- for the most part, it's been really, really good. There's been a couple of... Um, like, there's been, yeah, there's been a couple of instances where it's like we just we just got used to that. Name. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, we're we're really happy with it. It's exactly what Bono gives us the flexibility that we need to do some of the other things that we wanted to do. Um, you know, I, you you would all hopefully be seeing a lot more of our series beers coming out and some limited release stuff coming out. But the old architecture and the old um, uh, logo just didn't work. You couldn't. You couldn't do it, you know, land. You couldn't do it horizontal, horizontal image. Or you couldn't do a vertical one of it. It's just, yeah. Whereas the new one's really like, it looked like it'd been cut out of a potato. Well, that was what we wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I actually pushed the logo change quite a bit. And I have been for, I've been on it for a little while. Yeah. Because I wanted something that looked a bit more professional. Yeah. We, we, we were over in Argentina 12 months ago and the logos were popping up for every guru there. And I figured, Ours looked very amateur. Yeah, it did. Very homebrew. It did. To the rest of it. it did. Um, no, it certainly did. And for all those people that are annoyed that you've got an old T-shirt, we've still got the old logo airbrushed on the front door. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. 
this thing. Shall we move on to what is probably one of my favourite beers that you do? And and if someone, uh, Lord Andy asked earlier uh, what your favourite beer is, and if people go back and listen to listen to um, the other podcast, what podcast was it where the the Bonehead Brook Boys? Great segue, Warren Wu. I can't remember <laughs> the one originally, but Series 1, Episode 7 is when we first went out to uh, visit the good people of Bonehead. Uh, it was January 2019. Liverpool were top of the table and were no oh, yeah. doubt going to win the 2019-20 uh, Premier League. Uh, life, was, life was great back then. Um, it was a very entertaining uh, episode. If you haven't heard that one, if you haven't heard... A couple of times that Travis has been on as a guest, and if you haven't heard a couple of times that Warren's been on a guest as a guest, <laughs> do yourself a favour, go back and listen into those. For, for uh, I, I, I was still trying to. Uh, I was. Well, I think it was the week after Warren was on, and uh, I don't know how we're going to add to the the old shark in the pool room story because <laughs> when you ask us a pool room story, we're like, how the hell am I going to top that? There's been some much more confronting There's, things that have occurred in cool rooms oh yeah. uh, since then. Don't worry about that. I think we've had a couple of uh, interesting and confronting things over the last lockdown period. I'm going to go back and have a listen to it, buddy. That was great. Maybe it's just boneheads. Yeah, we, you need, we need to start doing something to your cool room. Maybe that's the, maybe the issue. <laughs> I almost interjected earlier on because you said you have a very small core room, but people who listened in to Series 1, Episode 7 will know that your core room is 2.7 metres high, not 2.4 metres high. And um, I'm, I'm, It's a joke that the three of us and anyone who's listened back will get, otherwise you've got to go back and listen to find out exactly what well, made that core room 30 centimetres taller than planned. You did, you did come in to physically inspect it yesterday yourself, didn't you, though? I did. I think that's an important part of any process of a, of a process. That is delightful. Overfull? Um, overfull, yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not complaining. That's. <laughs> I've got a. I've got an extra full can of um, of Melbourne Dark Lager, and believe me, I am not for one moment complaining. <laughs> There's something very satisfying and cool, I think, about opening a can of beer and having it that full and just being able to slurp the top of it before you pour it into yes. your glass. Yeah. That's the idea. That is, that, no, it's not. <laughs> Come on, Trav, man. Just run with it. <laughs> just go. It's just, it's just, it's that, yeah, it forces that air ingress and really get done. Well, I guess we better open out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Can you make sure you hold them up to the microphone so we get that sound, please? And <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Travis, do you want to paint a word picture of what the bonehead guys look like on their screen at the moment for those of us that aren't in the Zoom room, as I like to say? Because it's an amazing sort of thing. Um, I can. They're, well, currently they are sitting there in front of their open fire and pouring their wonderful Melbourne dark lager into their glasses. I've taken a screenshot of this, David, and I think we're going to end up, this is going to be the new logo of the cool room, <laughs> um, is these two guys sitting there in their very stylish bonehead shirts in front of their open fire. Not to well, mention that ice bucket. How's that ice it's, bucket it's, it's going the for contrast you? Of it's, it's doing all right. It's, um, yeah, 
sitting on an upturned waste paper basket thing because we don't have a coffee table in the way. Whereas for those of you that are following me personally on the uh, or the podcast on Facebook and Twitter, if you have Facebook and Instagram, if you're not already, you should do so. You'll see what I think will become my new personal uh, Facebook, you know, profile picture for the next time to come because Lionel has taken over the other room and he's podcasting from that room by the looks of things on Zoom. So you'll see if you haven't already. <laughs> the, um, <clears throat> so uh, going back, going back to the beer, uh, this this you've said in the previous podcast, this is a favourite. Do I would I be right in saying this one's one of the beers that you knocked out of the park with the first go? Has there been many changes when it comes to this? Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty safe to say that. I, I, I can't really think of a major change to this beer since we started brewing. This is probably one of the last beers we brewed before we went into this. Um, that and Junior. So, Revered, as I said before, was one I've been doing for a better part of a decade. Before we opened, but uh, both Junior and Sweet Pea were very much collaboration between Travis and I right when we decided to make a go of this. And um, yeah, that's probably probably most proud as a bunch yeah. about Sweet Pea we did. Yeah, um, like it was, it was like, I, I, I really wanted to do a dark lager. Ant was mucking around with like a, a dunkel. I, I made a dunkel before, but yeah. And I just, I, I wanted, I wanted a dark lager, but I wanted something from Melbourne, like as silly as that might be. I, I just, I obviously a Melbourne dark lager is not a style of beer, but I think if Melbourne had a beer, that's what it should be. You know, chocolate and coffee, and something you can knock back when the sun's out and when the clouds roll in, and you can still just sit on it, um, as happens every every day. So yeah, we kind of just figured what we wanted to do, sketched out a, a recipe, and and. It's been unchanged, um, and then we sent it off to the indie to the indies the first year that we were open and picked up silver. And then we sent it off to the Australian International Brewing Awards and picked up silver, um, and then again the following year at the indies. So it's yeah for for our first knock it out of the park, we were kind of happy with it, um, and it's it's quite different. Should, should we uh, rename it to not quite, not quite gold? Um, but it's it's a hard one to enter into any of those things because it's obviously it's not it's not a Schwarz beer it's not a European dark lager it's it's not a Munich dark lager it's not a Czech dark lager it's kind of just it's not a Schwarz beer it's just sort of in that realm um, which, which is which is the case for a lot of our beers they don't conform to a specific category yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's there's an absolute feeling with that, and I was that's one of the comments I made earlier to to the boys before we started that they, the the beers they there is a classical element to them, but they also feel like they've just been tweaked a little bit and they've just added a little bit more person a little bit of your personality, I suppose. Um, and I think that's a real I think I think breweries full stop need to need to do that a bit, otherwise, yeah, we're all it's all replicas of bits and pieces yeah um <clears throat> a word on abv you've sit around that you've sit around that four and a half to five and i thought as most do if you, i haven't seen many of the larger the the higher alcohol beers 
is that something that's on the card for you guys? Is that something you guys try to avoid? Um, just, just in reference to the beers that we've been, that a few of the guys have been drinking recently, they've been the bigger styles, there's been a lot more alcohol in them. Is that something, yeah, which, which I, I noticed wasn't the case in any of the ones we've got in the pack? It's pro- probably what, 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 it's probably the ones that we had available at the time for the pack would probably be the representation. Now, unfortunately, we're out of stock of our New England IPA, which is six and a half, which is pushing up higher. We've got our other New England IPA day zero, that's seven point two. We've got our uh, barrel aged uh, <clears throat> barrel aged Belgian Stronghold, which is eleven percent. Don't know if that's big enough to thumb. I suppose it's also for the beers that are on our core range, we do try to stick around that five mark, four and a half, three to five. And I think it's, apart from if it's not, apart from that, if that's not too style. So in New England IPAs or, or that's water or whatever it might be. And I think if you're making an approachable session of a beer, then you kind of don't want it to be 7.2%. Um, you know, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, perfect sense. Can we ask um, about the name on this one? You indicated before that naming beers is a tricky thing, and this one, I presume, has a name that dates right back to, you know, the times of home brewing. A lot of, a lot of handshaking going on. Yeah. Oh, look, look um, a lot of the beers as home brewers, uh, as, as home came as home brewers. So Mum's Pilsner was named after my mum, who bought me my first home brewing here for a birthday. So that, that's Mum's Pilsner. Um, half wit was just one of those funny things that came up but most of the beers are named after somebody or something um, Bat Dog Manson was named after it's the, my affectionate name for my dog Chili, he's called Bat Dog um, and Sweet Pea is actually my wife's kind of pet name for our other dog Frankie, so Sweet Pea was named after our, uh, our Labradoodle Frankie who is a real, and if you read the tin, that's kind of what the references are. It's this, she's a, a black Labradoodle. So, she, and she is very boisterous and looks like, and has very ferocious bark. But she's the most timid, sweet animal you've ever come across in your life. And that's what we're going for with Sweet Pea. A big, mm. kind of scary looking, dark, well, is it going to be a big, rich chocolatey porter or a stout? No, it's just this really simple, Light, sweet, sessionable lager. I've often wondered, this is your favourite beer. Do you have a beer which you actually find fun to brew? Is there a beer? Like, do brewers have a beer where they just go, yeah, we love brewing this beer. It's just a f- one that we enjoy chucking into the tank. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to answer the answer, but I'm going to throw in there. I think the answer would be, Yes, until I just like that's stupid. The thing is, I don't brew anything here as much as I used to these days. I'm more of a paperwork kind of person these days in the brewery, unfortunately. Um, shout out, actually, good. Shout out to Duffy and Carl who have been so Steve's been brewing with us since pretty much into the open, um, and has just continued to do a phenomenal job for us, and has really stepped up our beers and the brewing game. And recently, Carl's joined um, and is starting to become more of a, a session brewer and doing a great job. Sorry. No, that's right. Um, actually, funny you should say that. We just finished brewing, uh, brewing phase about 15 minutes before we went on this podcast. Uh, we, we finished a double batch, double brew day today. So um, that's probably one of the more, the more fun beers because the, the, the lovely, lovely smell of the, 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 the aromas that go into that beer. 
are fantastic. So we probably do enjoy brewing that more, more than others. Not that we know we, we play favourites. Hartley Hero, um, because it's a really easy thing to knock out, apart from all the fresh off, we still use Apart from, well, it's, it's a simple, it's a reasonable simple. Apart from um, the amount of fresh peel, still zest orange that goes into that beer, but yep. when the coriander and orange and a mile hit the hit the um, the kettle of flame, the brewery smells incredible. So I love it. But, and and, and I will add, I, I, I'm really we're doing a lot more than now, but a lot more of the limited release season that we're doing now. Uh, the last one we popped out very alive. I really really enjoyed that. Oh, that, that and, and the beer was the beer was great. Really happy with where the beer ends up on that, and it was a fun one brew and great result there. And that's been so you know we, we talk about some of the changes recently and what we've been trying to do. Um, so the logo change, it's to kind of allow us the flexibility to do a few more interesting things. We've got a lot more tanks now, so we got we can play with a few more beers. Um, you know, and, and mentioned before about you know is there any that we're not here on the park on the speaking. We don't pilot anything anymore. So if anyone wants to buy pilots, just go pilot system stuff. Um, but where we don't pilot anything, so all of those beers are just straight in, straight out. Um, and very bit of life was, was bang on. Like we were talking about that earlier. We've just tapped for ourselves, because you know, we can't sell them out of the trade. We, we had a sneaky keg lying around, so we just tapped it tonight before we were on the podcast. And um, it's yeah, it like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not yet. Um, so it was one of those things where it was like, hey, I, you know, we sat down with, with um, Liam Beardford and sort of came up with the concept of what we wanted to do. And it's just, speaking of Andrew, it's like the guys just bang on. From the brief that was given, the recipe that we put together, the guys just knocked out apart. So it was like, if you, it's sold out, but if you, anyone does want to try that, um, grape and Grape and grain. I'm really sorry to both of those businesses, but I always think it's grape and grain and Moravit. Yeah. So grape and grain and Moravit are just on tap at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing growl or something like that. It's only 30 litres. It's only 30 litres in the market. So but once we do open, we have put aside, we've put aside a keg. Once, hopefully, within whenever that is, we open, we all have a keg of it still sitting here. I live around the corner from the other version of that in Yarraville. Yeah, so I still get them confused as well. So it's not just you. <laughs> and, and, and the, the worst part about it is both the owners of the business are named, their name is John. Yes. Yeah. 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 <sighs> it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's quite amazing the, the stories behind all your beers and stuff. Um, I feel like maybe we're at a point now where we should open it up to the floor and See yeah, if got any questions. There's been some great questions on the typed on the chat, but perhaps give us a wave if you'd like to ask your question directly. And um, unsurprisingly, Lord Andy Coyne is waving first and foremost. But um, for everyone else who's in the room who'd like to ask a question, there's been a couple of uh, rippers in there along the way that I'd love to have asked. Perhaps just type your name and yes or no uh, into the chat and we'll come through to you as we go along. But Lord Andy Coyne, or Andy, as he's known to his non-wrestling friends. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my question is this, is that obviously the bears that you're, you've got at the moment, um, I wonder, do you often feel the pressure to produce a popular beer that might be uh, more profitable with sort of craft beer fans? Or... You know, do, is it just the case that you brew what you want to brew? Is there ever that pressure to, say, brew a Napa, for example? 
it's a bit of a fine line, I suppose. We we have to obviously be aware of what's in trend, what's in the market at the moment, and what's on trend, and certainly try and put styles out there that we know we're going to sell at the end of the day. We're a business, but we still try and put our own stamp on it. I believe that something that that speaks that this has come from us, not it's just not another client of X Y Z out there. Yeah, I think. Um, <clears throat> So we've got we've got a really really broad core range, uh, and they're all kind of beers that have got a reason to be. Whether some are for food beers, some are for this reason, some are for that reason, and but none of them are very big craft, super popular beers. We've left, but we have left that space open for our limited releases. So the beauty of I guess what we've done is we don't have an IPA on core. We've got a very approachable New England IPA on core. Uh, we don't have a ghost on core, so we don't have some of those big fuzzy, you know. Um, Everybody loves them beers, but we it just means that we can put out one of those a month if we wanted to as a limited release, keep it fresh and keep it interesting. Um, we don't find a pressure to do that. Um, we like doing that. So it's it's just, it's a bit of both, you know, like, yeah, you've got to do what the market wants, um, but you do what the market wants in your way. And one of the, just one of the questions I have to ask, who was responsible for the prickly pear beer? Oh, uh, here we go. The original one, <laughs> or the first one, the original one, or the second one. I'll, I'll, I, I'll, I'll take I'll take ownership. I'm not sure. I, I, I'll be honest. There was a story where these beers are wonderful, by the way. But I have to admit, the first bonehead I ever tried was um, a taster of the prickly pear beer at a uh, beer deluxe in Melbourne, and I actually wanted a pint of it. And the guy behind the bar. Oh. Are you sure, mate? I was like, oh, okay. So you gave me a taster instead. Yeah, it was not good, guys. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it was infected. I don't know. But I have to admit, your uh, your dark your dark beer, for, uh, however, absolutely fantastic. So I have been converted back. But I have to be honest, that poor experience obviously did hold me back from trying more bonehead beers. So I guess... I guess there's that question of quality, but yeah, I just want to know who, who I glare at for producing that beer. Can I? I'll, I'll jump in. All right. I don't. I don't know how much of this you want to tell, but I'll. No, no, no. I'll jump in. I'll jump. In. I'll be so, less, less diplomatic than you guys as well. So okay. So so, Prickle, Prickle Pink um, came about because we had Halfwood Hero, um, and one day, and I, and I was throwing cherries in Halfwood Hero to another beer, um, and Anne went, "I know what's a great idea. I'm going to." And I kind of went, I don't even know what prickly berries, go for it. This is back in homebrew space. So, Ansel Carpley Hero, you ran a couple of prickly pears. It, it sincerely was not my cup of tea, and I'm not going to, you know, you and I have had this conversation a billion times, but it was it was good beer. It just, it just didn't have the flavor profile I liked. I think there was not enough fruit going on and too much wheat beer going on in, in the original prickly pear. But the thing, the, what happened was we got, um, when we first opened, we launched with four beers and Prickle Pink was one of them. And that's what got all the coverage, all the coverage. No one was talking about any other, it was just, you've got to get down a bonehead and this prickly pear and this pink beer and the pink and the photos of all the prickly pear beer was everywhere. So um, everyone started ordering kegs of prickle, prickle Pink, which was great. Then there was a couple of deals done that were quite large in terms with some large Melbourne um, venues. 
uh, and, and um, you know, so we're talking about a, a pallet of beer uh, so that they could have, uh, you know, a bunch of, a pallet of keg, so they could have a bunch of different beers on. Um, Prickle Pink was one of them. Um, potentially they ordered up on that beer. It then went from venue to venue to venue and then landed back at their main venue. Um, 12 months later. Yeah, I've, yeah, I, there's, yeah. That, that, that beer is best consumed fresh. And, and it is and delicious not, fresh. I mean, I'm happy to, absolutely happy to agree with that. You, yeah. you can grab it fresh tomorrow because we're canning it tomorrow morning. But, we, so, but what, what's happened with Cricket Pig since is we have, um, the Catalina Sours, we love them. Um, we think they're a great style of, of beer. It's a recent, a recent beer that's been added to, to style guidelines. Um, and we have, we, we took Prickly, Prickle Pink which really was half a hero with prickly pears in it. And we upped the fruit content um, drastically. And we gave it its own base as a Catalina Sour. Um, and it's, it's chalk and cheese from where it was. So but completely different beer. And, and yeah. I think it's a lot more for the masses than what it was before. Absolutely. And, and like going back to the logo change, we've had more complaints about the change of Prickly Pink than we have about the logo change because it was one of those beers that, that completely split people. It was either I absolutely love this beer and that's all I drink when they come in here, or I I don't like it. It's not for me. Lovely, guys. Thanks very much for the answer. Really appreciate it. Just, you can't pick at all that Andy's the uh, the heel or bad guy commentator in the wrestling world, can you? It's not a not a role that he's in any way naturally. Uh, it it, dep- it <laughs> depends on my mood. I'm in I'm in a good guy mood. <laughs> Moving along, I'm, I'm going to not ask the question I want to ask about the prickly pear, which is do you forage it from the rail yards in Kensington down the road from where you live? I'm instead going to throw over to Hades. Uh, welcome back into the courtroom, Hades. You've got a question about the fat dog Marzen, and I'm pretty lucky because I've got a can of that just waiting next to me to be opened. So I'm going to open that while you ask your question, mate. Cheers, David, mate. And uh, kia ora, guys from Bonehead. Um, bro, the yeah, beer live yeah. was amazing. Your Katarina South vanilla berry, awesome. My cue is about, um, as a consumer, wow, that Marzen, how'd you get the maple influence uh, in that? And as an avid home brewer, how'd you get the maple influence in that? There's no maple syrup in Fat Dog Marzen at all. Um, so it's, it's quite honestly pedigree. Um, it's, if you're an avid home brewer, then I would suggest if you want to do something with maple in it, it's the way to go about it. Maple will ferment, so maple syrup will ferment out. The aroma will die off, um, unless you're dosing pigs, which obviously or dosing, which obviously is not 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 ideal at all. Um, but fenugreek at the right crush will give you a maple syrup flavour. It's what used to be used. I don't know, it still is uh, in making fake bakers fake maple syrup. Um, the issue you'll have is if you use the powder, it will taste like curry. Uh, and if you crush the, the fenugreek seed too much, it will taste like curry. <laughs> um, so just don't do that. Uh, now, I will say I mucked around, mucked around with this beer for a really long time. Um, the trick really in getting that maple syrup is getting a nice toffee rise into that fenugreek flavor. Um, which is why it's an amber style, man. It's not a blonde kind of traditional, typical style. I think that, that, that uh, the black and the toffee bolt really kicks that off. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, um, yeah. yeah, I prefer it. Not being like a maple syrup because it's not overly sweet too. It's nice. Yeah. So on the end, you're like, oh, yeah. Choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Cheers for the info as well. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's got a slight hint of rye in there which kind of masks a bit of the spice as well. So, Choice. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you. I've, um, I'm just going to ask a question for Lucas. It's um, yeah, and I find it's an interesting one too. Going back to to beer volume or going to beer volumes, uh, three seventy five mil cans as opposed to three thirty mil cans. So craft beer is not necessarily is pretty expensive hobby, as as Lucas points out. Um, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the regular beers are in three thirties. What what made you decide? The, the 375 would you consider going back to a 330 just to cut the price as a price point thing um yeah it's uh, i suppose let's let's discuss beer volumes i suppose it was, it's, it's ease of availability for us as well for the 375 i think it's a, it's more of an australian standard 375 mm. that's that's yeah. why i wanted to do it earlier i'm like we're, we're a little old school on a few things, you know, Foster's, Vic, Melbourne, all that stuff used to come in 375s. That's, that's just, it just seemed like the natural, okay? like the natural can or something. Yeah, yeah that, that was it. <laughs> I, I, I think we, we've, we've had a lot of 330s from a lot of breweries. For me personally, it feels pretty small on the hand. Even though it's only, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not a small <laughs> I mean, it's only 45 mils difference. Um, and the way we fill ours, ours would have been 375 anyway. Or 380. Or you would have fit 380 mils in it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, look, honestly, it, was just, it, it wasn't even really a, a point we sat down and discussed. It was just like beer comes in 375 mil variants. That's what we're going to do. Uh, and it just happened to be the canning line that we ended up with had that on it. So yeah, it was nice and easy. Awesome. I, I can't tell you how much time I have spent today. It shows you my brain capacity, perhaps more than anything else. I'm a simple man, but trying to figure out with Rogue and Nomad, the 375s, the 330s, the 440s, the 578s, 16 yeah. cases, 24 cases, 12 boxes. You know, if you're trying to put together packs of delicious beer for future Meet the Brewers virtual tastings, can I give you a tip? It's a nightmare to try and navigate through what price is worth what. Yeah, I, look, I can imagine, David. We, um, so we're in, for those, that you, for those who have bought cases of only beer, first of all, thank you. Um, and we're in cases of 16. So we've gone higher in the can quantity, maybe, but we've dropped it back to only being a case of 16. So. James, James made the point that, yeah, they fit into a stubby holder much better too, which is a really important consideration, actually. Yeah. And that's, that's something that, yeah, every time I stick a, a bottle, which is 330 mils or a can, which is 330 mils in a, a stubby holder, it, you just, yeah, it, it, it's, not, it's not life change. It's not the end of the world, but it's enough <laughs> that it's like, I don't like this beer a little bit. Oh. Like I, I just—it's—it's it's it's missing, it's missing something. It messes with the OCD, doesn't it, Warz? It does. It really does. <laughs> um, I suspect we're sort of heading towards the end of the podcast, but I'm going to ask you guys a question in a second. But if anyone else has a burning question they want to ask before it's all finished, either chat that through to us or give us a wave. But what we haven't done yet is ask you guys for your social media 
log logins. Give us your logins so that I can post a whole <laughs> and your password. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And your bank account details, because we know from how much beer we've sold through the podcast, you must be rolling in the dough this week. Um, how do we find you on social media, gentlemen? Uh, make sure that we can we can track you down and find those delicious beers. It's it's all Bonehead Brewing AU. So oh, both right. on, on Instagram, it's Bonehead Brewing AU, and on Facebook, it's Bonehead Brewing AU. And we don't use Twitter, um, well, we do, but it's I think that's probably Bonehead Brewing AU. Um, and the website's boneheadbrewing.com.au. Excellent. And the uh, the other question, you know, I know that we've timed this perfectly because next week you have. Is it four fresh brews dropping out, Anthony? Do you want to give us a bit of a uh, up on over, over the next fortnight, yeah, we'll have four beers coming out. So as I said before, tomorrow we're, we're uh, canning off the Triple Pink Catalan Sour, the much nicer, the updated version of Triple Pink for some. Um, then next week we've got, we've got a yeah. demo can of it. So we're about... We're doing we got the demo cans done. That's fantastic. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah, going to yeah. mention the war. Um, so we're, we're stepping up a few more series, um, as I've kind of been touching on, and three, three series that we're doing, excuse me, one is our Art, Art for Bonehead series. We've just launched another one, or just about to launch another one, sorry, called um, Smells Like Pop Culture. Um, and the idea is it's just something that we can have a bit of fun with, um, where we can have a, a boneheaded pop culture reference and make it here associated with it. Um, so the first one we're doing is a single malt and single hop smash IPA, which we've called Hop Smash. Um, and if, you, and if you're not on the Zoom room, people, if you're not on the Zoom room, what, you can, what you're missing out on is a great view of uh, Trav's fingers at the moment. So Yeah, lots yeah. of hands. A great um, view of a potential horse. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I love that. <laughs> Hulk, Hulk so Smash, that's called? Old Smash, it's a Idaho Gem, Idaho Gem, yeah, single malt, single hop, Idaho Gem IPA. Mm. Was there, um, there, there was an American brewery that um, that called their beer, or relabeled their beer, cease and desist, after they received it. <laughs> I just think well, that's genius. We're no stranger to cease and desist. We were originally all scoundrel brewing and, um, and, and we got a nice letter, it's why we're now. Bone Head Brewing, yeah, of course. <laughs> and there's, there's um, no tradition of um, Melbourne breweries getting into strife for using, uh, you know, sort of images and names from major American, you know, oh, film yeah. things. Well, I, think that only, I think there's only one corporation that uh, sends out those letters these days. So, well, there is yeah, also the Australian, <laughs> the Australian Alcohol yeah. Standards Board or whatever they're called. Yeah, so, so we're thinking this is a limiter, this is a one-off, one-and-done deal. It's Most of it's already pre-sold, so uh, I reckon we're going to make two weeks on this one before it disappears again. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be consumed. So hopefully we get two weeks worth of life. What are these idiots thinking? Yeah. And then what what else have you got there, guys? You've got the Hulk smash. You've got – what other labels have you got run off this week from your uh, – so, Yeah, so we've got – so these are, these are pretty much the three series that we're talking about. So Hulk smash was our um, – is our smells like pop culture. Um, Buried alive is our was the the last um, oh, yeah. collab with uh, Beer Thread, and then the so it was the the other Catalina Sour that was mentioned before, and then that is just our um, the the last art series. Sorry, I'm right underneath the light, so you've got to. I think the glare at the screen's making kind of hard. That's to see. okay. The podcast listeners can't see that, so you're <laughs> all good. Yeah, it's great radio. Yeah. Um, 
So we're, we'll have we'll have three. The idea is with these series um, between day zero, which is our triple dry hop New England IPA, um, between day zero, collab beers, uh, pop smells like pop culture beers, limited release beers, and uh, bonehead beers. We'll have two limited release or you know here today gone tomorrow beers a month um, for this year. So. Amazing. On top of our very large full range, yeah, yeah. We've also we've also got um, so we've got yeah we've got the Frickle Pink, we've got the Day Zero, and then uh, following up following week we've got uh, re-release of Dad's Quarter, which I'm really looking forward to. Oh, yeah. That's tasting phenomenal out of the tank. And uh, we're for the very first time because of COVID, we are putting our next version of Day Zero into cans. So there was a question that came up on on the Facebook thread about. Day zero being being available in growlers, uh, and we don't do growlers here. Um, we, you know, I'll, I'll let Anthony talk for the reasons why I've decided not to. Um, but we're for the first time we'll have day zero available. Yeah, um, yeah. So on on the on the subject of growler pills, we have been asked quite a bit whether we do growler pills or not. The answer is not, don't. Uh, it's pretty much a thing we we chose not to do very early on. We feel it's not a great representation of the beer unless you've got a proper dedicated growler filling station that can mm-hmm. fill them correctly and people can take them home and yep. consume them correctly. Uh, if you're filling two litres of beer from a tap into a growler, it's probably going to be good for a day or two, if that, but it's never going to be the, the best representation of what the beer should be like. And we want to give people the closest experience they can to drinking our beer straight from the brewery itself. Yeah. And we, we figure. An overfilled can is the best way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> what I really like there is that you've just sort of settled a discussion that Warren and I were having yesterday without me having to ask you to settle it. So I was, I was going to ask him about growlers too because I've got, yeah, growlers. You've got one. And you yeah, won't empty and dirty. So <laughs> that's, that's the best way. Someone to clean it for you. Um, guys, just on the hop sma- the Hulk smash beer, am I correct in thinking that I saw in your, on your website that you've got a pack for that where you also get a T-shirt? Yeah. Yep. Is that still available? Correct, it is. Yep. Yep. It is. That's a, that's a, so it's a pre-order sale, so you can pre-order it with a T-shirt and a four-pack or a T-shirt and a so in theory to the listeners out there, we will most likely have this out before that pre-order ceases. And if you want one, you should jump online. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll keep it going for a little bit longer. Um, but the, yeah, the idea is obviously we don't want to attract any kind of negative, uh, well, any, any, we don't want lawsuits um, yeah. or anything such. So we're, we're trying to keep this very much here today, never spoken about it. Gone tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good call. Drink the beer by the t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good slogan. <laughs> Look, unless anyone else has any other flippers they wish to wave in the air to indicate they have a question, I think, gentlemen, we might start to move towards wrapping things up. Look, first of all, from the podcast and from all the listeners, both in the room tonight and, you know, down through the years, podcasty-wise, a big thank you for giving up your time tonight. Looking at the roaring fire that you have next to us, uh, next to you, I should say, um, looking forward to being able to visit you in the flesh soon. Tell us where we find you when we're allowed to go visiting again. You can find us at uh, 
number 86, Parson Street, Kensington, 3031. Right near the Royal Mail. 3031 represent. Well done on that front, guys. Um, obviously, we hope that people can uh, hear about this podcast. Go down, knock on your door on Saturdays during COVID-19 times. Uh, Saturdays between 12 and 2 to grab beers in the flesh or order online. Mention that you've heard the guys on the Cool Room podcast and um, that will make no difference whatsoever to the price that you be charged, I have no doubt. Um, we'll, give you a, we'll give you a small, we'd love to give you a crisp high five, but we're not even allowed to do that <laughs> And um, just one more little plug for those of us that are, uh, that are regular Cool Room and Royal Mail on Spencer drop-ins for these podcasts. Remember that we've got La Serene coming up on May the 14th. We have Nomad coming up on May the 21st. We have Blackmans coming up on May the 28th. Uh, those are sort of the headline names. There's all sorts of potential little excitements we might be able to add to those. So if you're not following us on Instagram and Facebook, you won't get the inside running on what might be able to happen on those nights in terms of additional guests. And one of the great things that you get to do if you're online with us is after Travis presses stop on record, which he's going to do in a minute, you get to sit around and just chill and have a few beers with all the people who've listened to this and have a bit of a yarn. So we hope if you're joining us via a podcast, next time you join us in the flesh. Um, thank you all to everyone who's been here tonight. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Thanks, thanks guys. Lots thanks of so much, guys. Great. Good night, everyone. <laughs>